Welcome to Fuel Disclosure, a Moffitt Services podcast. On this show, you will learn how Moffitt Services is pioneering the fuel delivery industry. From fuels and lubricant product news, to stories from the community, to recent industry trends with subject matter experts. Make sure to like and subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a moment from Moffitt. To learn even more about the Moffitt Services difference, visit MoffittServices.com. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Fuel Disclosure. My name is Landry, and I am the marketing advisor here at Moffitt Services. Today, I am honored to have our guest, Mr. Fred Woodfield. Um, he is a Moffitt team member and professional cowboy who specialized in tie-down roping. Fred is an eight-time professional rodeo cowboys association world champion who has also had four national finals rodeo aggregate titles. Seven of those titles were world tie-down roping championships, and one was world all-around cowboy championship. Fred is here to tell us about his impressive career, both at the rodeo and with Moffitt Services. Welcome, Fred. I'm so glad that you could be on the show today. It's an honor to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, me too. And to get to talk to you a little more. I always tell everyone who comes on the show, I learn so much just by having them sit down. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't know that. And we work together or we've been, we've talked to each other multiple times. So I'm super excited. Do you want to just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background and your history? Well, I actually grew up in Cypress, Texas and okay. my mom worked for the Moffitts and so every day after school, I would just get off the bus and go straight to their house. And so, um, you know, Roy had horses and stuff and, and roped. And so that's basically how it got started for me right off the bat. And so, um, you know, over the years through grade school and then high school and on up, we would just rope every single day after school. That's all we did. Roy had 15, 20 head of horses, 100 head of calves. And so I would just go over and it's something that, uh, got in my system at a very young age and I just yeah. thrived on it and worked and worked and worked. And that's what got me to the next level later on in life. But I've known the Moffitts, uh, gosh, I'm going to tell my age, which doesn't really matter. I'm 55 <laughs> years old. And so I've been around the Moffitt family for 45 plus years. So a, a family aspect of it too. I mean, y'all grew up together. We so really that. did. We grew up together. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, I know I, I learn a little bit about, I le I learn more about you every time someone brings you up, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, Roy will tell me a story or Rusty will tell me a story. And I'm like, what? That's so cool. And didn't you guys, you lived right across the street from each other. I did. We lived right across the street. And so, I mean, it was a stone's throw and, um, I could be at home doing something and I could look across there and the lights be on in the arena at night and I'd slip away over there and I was just roping or riding my Shetland ponies. Me and my brother had Shetlands as a as a kid and we'd take them over there every night and we'd rope and run up and down the arena and stuff. And so um, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that, that it would lead me to, you know, be an eight-time world champion, but thank God it did. And Joanne Moffat and my mom were real instrumental in that process. Yeah, that's awesome. And what an accomplishment. I mean, eight-time world champion. Um, has anyone ever won that many titles before? Oh, yeah, there's a couple of guys, but event-specific, I think there's only a few that have won that many titles. Uh, Trevor Brazil's won 27, but that's through, I think, four events. And so... 
for me, you know, the process started as a kid. And, and what's really unique about my story, in my opinion, is never come from a rodeo background, none of that stuff. And yeah. just got around Roy at a young age and, and was able to take it to and a raw talent to, to, just, to an eight time world champion, you know, which is unheard of somebody that's not born into the sport and to be able to go as far as I did. But the, the thing for me, you know, my parents were divorced at, at a young age. And so uh, my mom was a single mom. <clears throat> I come from a lot of aspects in today's world where you're not supposed to succeed. But with the help of the Moffats and, you know, the love of his mother and, and him and my mom, we made it happen. Yeah. And you talk a lot about that or you can learn about that in your book. Uh, Gold buckles don't lie. I do. We, and- we, we actually published that in 2013 and I had a, a lady come to me and I think it was around 2010, 2011, something like that. So that process took us about three years, you know, and mm. I got to, we got to interview a lot of people that have since passed on, you know, Joanne, she, she did a lot in the book and we got to go and interview her. We spent about a year and a half, I think, just traveling around interviewing people and uh, she actually come and stayed with us and, and spent some time and, and tried to do it the right way. Yeah. And it's, it's excellent. I've, I've, I've read some of it and it's just great. And it's just crazy how it all started and then where it ended, right? Like your story, it's just. Oh yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, you know, a guy will go through life. Like I can remember just like yesterday when I was 21 years old, Mm. you know, and, and that much time has gone by so quick and to just document things throughout your life, your childhood then on up and, uh, through high school and then into to amateur rodeos and stuff. And so <clears throat> I kind of hit a little bit of a stumbling block there along the way. You know, Roy quit rodeoing in, I think, 1981, 82. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to have to do all this on my own. And so uh, he actually had to go to work. His mom fell one Christmas and broke both wrists. And so she had cast on both of her wrists and she wasn't able to do nothing. And so my rodeoing buddy was gone. Oh, no. And he, you guys were close. Yeah, he had to go home and go to work. And uh, that's how Moffat, you know, Moffat Oil, Roy's Customized Fueling, mm-hmm. on down the line. That's how all those companies were, were born then. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that they're still they're still alive, right? They're a little bit restructured, but they're still alive. Which Oh, is- yeah. You know, they've, they've been in the fuel business, I think, since 1946. Mm-hmm. That's and, right. you know, now that, that my rodeo career is over, for me to be back at the company working and, and doing stuff. And it's a blessing in disguise really, because along throughout my rodeo career, you know, I never, I was just focused on winning world championships and mm. Roy and I, we talked a little bit about it and, you know, never really thought about it until all of a sudden, I think 2019 was my last year. I started trying to slow down rodeo in 14, 15, 16, 17. I didn't go much. 18. I didn't rodeo very much and then 19 was the last year I roped it at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo and um, you know I knew it was time to to call it a career because you know um, we get older you start missing steps here and there and Mm. uh, competing against kids half your age it's a struggle yeah but you still have when did what year did you win your first gold buckle in 1991 and then your last one was my last one was 2005 okay yeah. So that's a lot of years that yeah, you that I you were the champion. For, I rodeoed for almost 32 years. Yeah, that's crazy. And you're still helping today? Oh, yeah. I have clinics and stuff. I actually went to 
fly pan this past weekend and rope with four girls in the breakaway. And uh, I've got a place out in Montgomery now, too. I don't live on that place. It belongs to a friend of mine at Elise, Casey Buto. And so I have calves and horses and stuff out there. And I try to go out when I can and rope. Or if I set up lessons over the weekend, I'll have kids come out and we'll rope and play around with it. And I've actually got two pretty nice five-year-olds that I've been training on the last couple of years that are really nice horses. Oh, nice. So you still get to do what you love. I still get to do what I love. As long as I can reach those numbers in sales, everything's good. <laughs> and you know what a lot of people don't know is I actually started out driving a truck for them. Oh, did you really? Yes, Tell man. me a little bit more about I, that. I started out driving a truck for Moffitt when I very first quit rodeoing. And I went to Roy and I said, hey, I need to find something else to do because we had sold our place and moved up here. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't take long to run through money if you're not doing anything at all. And so... I was still riding a few horses and training some, but I wanted a steady income with some insurance and stuff. And so I talked to Roy and he said, well, come to work for us and let's see where it goes. Well, about, I don't know, six or eight months in, he said, you know, uh, driving a truck's a pretty good gig, but he said, you need to get into sales, you know, with what you've done with your name and rodeo. I think there's some opportunities there that we need to capitalize on. And so he put me with a couple of his sales reps and I traveled around with them for three or four months, and next thing you know, we're off and running, and things were just going great. And then 2020 came around, yeah. And so it kind of went back down a little bit. But um, today, I'm as excited as I ever was to be with the company. Um, it, it's a great company to work for. We pride ourselves on service, and as far as the transition from rodeoing to working, I, I've always told myself that. If you give 110%, you're going to be successful. And, you know, the work ethic of rodeo taught me that anything you go into, if you give, I give 120% when I rodeoed. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's why I was so successful. And if you do the same in the business world, and I didn't grow up in the business world, but I got to watch all the Moffats from a distance and watch their work ethic and the way they did business, and I learned something by it. And from your work ethic, too, winning oh, all those yeah. championships. Yeah, my work <laughs> ethic, definitely. It has a lot to do with it. But yes. It's, uh, sales is a little bit different, but, you know, the, all the prior relationships and people that I've run across, there's so many people in the rodeo world mm-hmm. that use fuel. And here in Houston, too. And here in Houston, no, without a doubt. There's just, and, and I know a lot of them, and all you got to do is knock on their door and ask for their business. Right. Away you go. You never know if you don't ask. Exactly. So you've had many accomplishments along your life, but is there something in particular that stands out to you in the rodeo world in particular? Uh, It's probably the year I won the all-around in 1999. Okay. You know, um, there's a lot of firsts for me in my lifetime through the sport of rodeo because it it had never been done before. Yeah. And for me to do it, but to win the all-around because I got to compete against the likes of Ty Murray, Joe Beaver, Roy Cooper. Mm-hmm. All those guys are all around champs and, and to go a full season and be able to beat those guys or, or come out on top, you know, yeah. because we all had the same chance, whether it was injuries to one of those guys or whatever. But I mean, they almost went to the same amount of rodeos that I did. But that's that's the pinnacle of the sport of rodeo being the all around champion of the world. And that's that's probably why it's the most important that and my first gold buckle. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you won your first gold buckle? 23 years old. I was 23. 23. So young. Yeah. 
That's <laughs> <laughs> I'd give anything to be 23 again. <laughs> I promise you that. Uh, no, I, what, uh, what an amazing story that you have, seriously. And how cool that it kind of came full circle, you know, grew up across the street from the Moffats, and then here you are again. You're still friends with Roy. Oh. You had uh, an amazing few, uh, history in the rodeo scene, and you're still continuing to work today. So that's awesome. I like to ask uh, everyone this one question, so I'll ask it to you too. But if you can describe your rodeo experience in one word, what would it be? My rodeo experience mm-hmm. in one word. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Just just because of where I come from, you know, and not a lot of people get to come into a sport that, you know, and, and I've only had one other cousin that really actually rodeoed that about qualified for the national finals. And so, uh, you know, my grandpa had horses and stuff, and, mm-hmm. and uh, but nobody else had been at the level yeah. or even in the sport. You know, now I've got some of my younger cousins and stuff that, that rodeo or try to go. Uh, you know, like I said, to come from a broken home and, and all that bad stuff that, that happened as a young kid and to, to be an eight-time world champion, I mean, it, it's really unbelievable that I, now that I look back on it. Yeah, and if you could offer one piece of advice, what would that be? Well, the, the fact that no matter where you come from, mm-hmm. what color you are, you can have success because the one thing that, that everybody used to tell me when I was a kid, you know what, young man, with your worth ethic, somebody's going to help you get to the next level. We see how bad you want it in your eyes, and if you'll just continue to work like that, somebody's going to provide a way. Yeah. And that's basically what happened to me. Mm. That's so powerful. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing. So from when you were young and your kind of transition into competing in rodeos, what was the moment for you where you decided a flip switched and you decided, oh, you know what, I'm going to go all into this or, well, I, or honestly, I know I'm good. <laughs> no, no, no. I, we, we actually used to go to jackpots where all the greats would come around. Okay. And at about 16, I think we went to a jackpot somewhere around Giddings, Texas, and mm-hmm. all the top guys were there. Um, Roy Cooper, uh, D. Pickett, Barry Burke, mm-hmm. D.R. Daniels. I mean, there was at least 12 out of the top 20 guys in the world. And I won second in the first round that day. That day? Yes, I won and second. And how old were you then? I was like 16. Oh, wow. So I was like 16 years old. And so I won quite a bit of money at that roping that day against the top guys in the world. And so um, for me, you know, that gave me all the confidence in the world that I was going to be able to compete and, I mean, you can't just go to one jackpot and all of a sudden think you're going to be the best in the world. But from from about 16 to the time I was 19 years old, I was just building momentum along the way. Like, I went to amateur rodeos. And the one mistake that I will tell you I made, I, I never really entered college. All my buddies went off to school, and I would hang out up there at Sam Houston and stay in the dorms with them and stuff and never opened a book because, honestly, we couldn't afford it. And I told my mom not to not to waste her money because I wasn't really going to apply myself. You yeah. know, I was honest. And so 
but I would just be around a lot of guys that really rope good. And I could hear all the chatter talking about, hey, that guy's going to be special, just like they do today when you see somebody playing basketball, football, Mm -hmm. volleyball, whatever the case, golf. And so I was hearing all that stuff in my head, but also there was a lot of guys that were saying negative stuff, that, oh, if he wasn't black, they wouldn't be making such a big deal Mm -hmm. out of him. You know what I mean? And so it, it just fueled me to be my best every single time that the lights came on yeah and so you know building that momentum over two and a half almost three years then I would enter a jackpot and I would win it Mm -hmm. I would enter a rodeo and I would win it and I was like man there's something special going on here and so there for a little while I wandered off I, I moved away and went and trained horses for a guy over in Conroe my senior year and uh we I called Roy after that deal went south, and I said, hey, man, I need to come back home. I had a pickup truck that had a lot of miles on it, had a one-horse trailer, and so I made my way back to Cyprus, and I actually started working for him a little bit then. And I I was just delivering fuel, but it was mainly lubricants. Mm. And so I did that for a little while, and I said, you know what? I want a rodeo. Yeah. And, I mean, I want a rodeo. I want to get my card. And I want to try it out. I said, I think I'm good enough, but I just need to change my surroundings, get away from all the stuff that I was doing. And I had a couple of bad years yeah. where I floated around and done, you know, some not so credible stuff. And so I said, it's time for me if I'm ever going to go anywhere that the time is now. So I worked for Roy for a little while. That fall, I won Pasadena, Rosenberg, uh, Angleton. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Bushyhead. It's uh, right outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and all the top guys was there. I borrowed a horse from a guy named Ronnie Williams up in Huntsville, and I went up to that rope, and I won those three rodeos, and I won that jackpot, and I won about 16000 Wow. And that was a lot of money in 1989. Yeah. I came home. I bought me a new truck. I went to Roy, and I said, hey, I need a loan. I'm going to buy me a horse, and I'm going to rodeo next year. So I talked to him, got a loan from him. We bought a horse from Kelly Scott. The rest is history. Literally history. Yes. It it really honestly is. Mm -hmm. But I knew, and see Joe in my rookie year, I've said this more than once. They gave me an open checkbook. Mm -hmm. And they said, just call me anytime you write a check for a certain amount of money, just so it's covered. You go rope. We'll take care of the finances. You got nothing to worry about. And it was just like all the pressure was off of me there. You could just focus on what you wanted to do. I knew I had the finances behind me and that no matter what, I could continue to rodeo. Yeah. Because they weren't going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. Also helps that you kept winning. As long as (laughs) I've done my part, then everything was going to be fine. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's the real reason, you know, Mm. because, I mean, could I afford to do it on my own? Maybe, maybe not. We'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. But it also helps that you had a support system. Oh, yeah. Too. No no doubt. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, wholeheartedly. I mean, that's the, the real reason. And, you know, after I think my second year in, I won the world. Won like 81000 at the NFR that year. Paid my debts off. And away we go. Away you go. Yeah. Do you get a certain <laughs> feeling, like when you enter the arena and you're like, what are you thinking about? Can you even hear the crowd? Hmm. What is it? Is there a special, like, something that turns for, on? For me and my approach, I was always so prepared. 
that I rarely got nervous. And I mean, it was about there had to, and and I don't want to mean this and and I don't want it to come across as being arrogant Yeah. because I know, you know, the way the world is now, a lot of people. And I mean, I was so mentally prepared and focused and, and, uh, physically prepared that, I mean, there was not very many obstacles that got in my way when it came to roping and I did not win every time, but Mm -hmm. my approach was to win every single time I nodded my head. Yeah. Which is impossible. Mm. That's, that's so powerful. You know, just that mindset that you had going into every. Well, and and like you said, I I help a lot of kids today. and, And one of the advantages is to be, mentally strong, mentally tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even with anything, right? E- even with your career, anything, your... it, it doesn't matter. Even in sales. Yeah. Okay. I get told more, more times than I get told. Yes. Yeah. Right. But you just got to keep rolling, you know, and, um, it's almost like, you know, a duck has oil on his feathers, right? Mm-hmm. When it rains, the water just hits and rolls off. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's basically kind of how you have to be, you know, approach life. You, you cannot keep get moving caught forward. up in the nose Yeah. because you'll be, you'll be way behind when it comes to, and I, I mean, I had a meeting yesterday, sat there and we visited for quite a while. And I mean, I'm pretty matter of fact, ask Rusty. I went to a big meeting with them one time where I brought him and Roy and we were sitting there talking about everything in the world. I mean, mm-hmm. about how's this, how's that? And I said, guys, I hate to cut through the chase here, but I said, we really honestly came to this meeting to talk about earning you guys fuel business. <laughs> and Rusty said, man, I like you already. <laughs> that's the way, that's the way to cut to the chase. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to visit, and I'm not saying that's not the yeah. right way, but, I mean, we're really here to earn your business, sir. Let's, let's get after it. Let's talk about yeah. fuel. Well, you heard it here first. <clears throat> if you hear no's, keep moving forward, cut straight to the chase, and never give up. And that's all the great lessons that we can learn from Fred today. But thank you so much for thank coming you. on the show. It was great getting to talk to you, learn about a little bit of your history, your background, how you've known the Moffitts for so long, and how you still know them today, yeah. which is great, and how you started working for them when you were young, and now you're still getting yeah. the chance to work for them. So Still hanging out. Still hanging out. It's really come full circle, so thank you so much for your time. I know yeah. you're a busy man, stealing you away from some of the sales, the sales meetings today, but I'm grateful and appreciative, and uh, we hope to see you back on okay. the show. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fuel Disclosure, a Moffitt Services podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to like and subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a moment from Moffitt. And if you're ready to take your business to the next level with a team that delivers industry-leading service and no downtime, visit us at moffittservices.com.